occult crimes, paranormal investigations, urban legends, and strange happenings. Welcome to Myths, Magic, and Murder. Hey, and welcome back to Myths, Magic, and Murder. This is episode 23. I'm Abby. I'm Kate. We'll be your ghostesses this evening. Today I'm talking about a Ed and Lorraine Warren case. Big fan. It's about a demon murder, essentially. Oh, interesting. I'm talking about the St. Osythe Witches and the Witches' Cage. It's a British witch thing. Not something you want to say too quickly, British apparently. British witch thing. British. <laughs> so, yeah. Hopefully you'll do some learning while you are in quarantine, hopefully. But that's not bringing you down too much. Hope you're uh, getting on with things you you used to enjoy. Yeah, I'm doing a lot of painting. I went back into tarot research. I've been playing Animal Crossing all the time. I thought you were the spookier one. It's a fun game. You fish, you <laughs> I catch I play bugs. Animal Crossing and do art. <laughs> I have learned how to put hexes on people. <laughs> I'm allowed to have fun and be spooky. True. Um, maybe we'll start... Baking spooky items, if we can ever find any eggs again. <laughs> Maybe. Hopefully you have toilet paper. Yes. I hope you're all staying safe and staying inside and doing things you enjoy while you're there. Yeah, apologies for the sound quality of last week. I pressed the wrong button and then everything went bad. <laughs> but hopefully this one sounds okay. And thank you for 4,000 downloads. Mainly Colombia, am I right? Thanks, Columbia. Columbia. Hell yeah. Go Columbia. Keep us in your charts. All right. You want me to get straight into it? May as well, because we have annoyed these people enough. Okay, so. Today I'm talking about a case that excites me greatly, because it features Ed and Lorraine Warren. Today I am talking about a case that excites me greatly. Today! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a serious case that involves a murder. Pretty pretty interesting though because you know you get demons, murders, possessions, and Lorraine Warren all in one case. Do you love that? Good combination. So if you don't know who Ed and Lorraine are, they were paranormal investigators. Um, he was a demonologist and she was a clairvoyant. Can I make it any more obvious? <laughs> oh man, that was a good one. Thanks. <laughs> and they dealt with a lot of famous cases, including Amityville, the Parent Family, or the Conjuring Family, and Annabelle all of which we've covered in previous episodes. So go check those out if you haven't listened to them yet. Why haven't you listened to them? Be better. So I realised when piling my research together that this is the plot of The Conjuring 3, which is supposed to be released later this year, so that's pretty exciting. Uh, but obviously, if you want to watch that, and you don't want any spoilers, <laughs> maybe skip to Kate's part. <laughs> so uh, my sources are flickeringmyth.com, Wikipedia, coolinterestingstuff.com, Laura Virginia Archives, and Discovery Channel's A Haunting, where they had the victims and witnesses interviewed. Oh my goodness, sorry, bringing it back to me. I forgot to mention that I'm doing another one of my mum's stories. It's a ghost story. Stay tuned. Sorry. Anyway, about me again. <laughs> so yeah, this case is pretty interesting, and it's the first known court case in the United States where the defence sought to prove innocence based on the defendant's claim of demonic possession. And it was also the first murder in Brookfield, Connecticut. So in February of 1980, Debbie Glatzel's mother purchased a rental property that they had to clean up. So she moved into it with her parents, her brother David, who was 11, and her fiancé, Arn Cheyenne Johnson. <laughs> nice. Really rolled off the tongue, that one. 
It's it's not an easy name to say in context, mm -hmm. you know? I don't know anyone called Arm, though, so maybe that's the issue. <laughs> Upon moving into the house, paranormal activity immediately began, and it was targeting David, so her brother. David spoke of an old man who threatened to harm his family if they stayed in the home. At first, the family thought David was using the old man as a way to get out of cleaning. <laughs> Me. Could you imagine if I was like, sorry, I can't do the dishes? And while I'm stuck here with my parents, they're like, come on, clean up, you've got nothing better to do. I'm like, oh, sorry, I'm possessed by an old man. And seeing this old man everywhere. Yeah, he's really freaking me out. I can't hoover. <laughs> hoover. He also had visions of the old man who appeared as a demonic beast, spoke Latin, and swore to take his soul. Goodness. David started getting night terrors, and the family started to hear strange noises coming from the attic. David's mother, Judy, said that he would wake up screaming about a man who had big black eyes, a thin face with animal features, jagged teeth, horns, and hoofs. He said that the man told him to beware. Beware? Beware. Are you laughing because I'm saying beware? Yeah. Do you say it like the were? Yeah. Beware. Be. Where? <laughs> Sometimes you're exhausting. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. David's visions progressed into the day, except in the day he would see an old man with a beard wearing a flannel shirt and jeans. So a stylish demon. Oh my goodness, he's a lumberjack. <laughs> he lately noticed, he later noticed, that he had scratches and bruises all over his body, and nobody else in the family saw the old man. Cool. Obviously a bad sign. Yeah. The family realised there was some evil stuff going down, and they called the Catholic police, priest, the police, they called the Catholic, <laughs> the Catholic police. police are here. <laughs> Could you imagine? To come bless the house, but David's vision has just got worse. So 12 days after the first incident, the family called on Ed and Lorraine to come and help the house, and obviously to help the kid. When Lorraine arrived... <laughs> Just the house, not him. <laughs> when Lorraine arrived, she witnessed a black mist materialise next to David, which was an indication of an evil presence. Mm -hmm. David and her mother told Lorraine that they had seen David being... Uh, sorry, Debbie and her mother. They'd seen the kid being beaten and choked by invisible hands, and afterwards he had red marks on his neck. Oh my god. Lorraine said that David wouldn't, would be doodling and then he'd look up and he would no longer be a little boy. The Warrens accompanied the Catholic priests who performed exorcisms on David and while they were doing it he began growling, hissing, speaking in otherworldly languages and voices and reciting passages from the Bible or from Paradise Lost, which is a biblical poem. He stopped breathing and flopped rapidly head to toe like a ragdoll. Are you laughing because I said flop? <laughs> Whenever someone says flop, I always imagine those singing fish that you get on the wall. I would love one of those. Oh, goodness me. If you have a singing fish and you want to mail it to us, drop us a message. <laughs> Please God, send me a flopping fish. Not a live one. Not a dead one. I mean, the singing fish, not a flopping fish. Anyway, enough of Good the singing God. fish. He also demonstrated the supernatural ability of, like, telling the future and seeing the future, and specifically in the relation to the murder that would later be committed. The exorcism lasted several days, and there were 43 demons in him. Ed said that he demanded the names of the demons possessing him, and he gave 43 names. Oh my god. How insane is that? Right, I can't even, like, if this isn't real, like, if it's not, a real possession. I can't think of names off the top of my head, so I'd be absolutely screwed. 
Yeah, me too. You know what I mean? Like whenever you've got a like if you play games like The Sims and you have to name your kid, you're like babynames.com. Dave. Uh John John Phil, too. Phil Lip. Philip the <laughs> third. Literally. I'm awful at it. So. Well also, I would imagine that they would be names of pre existing demons. Well yeah, I would gather that they were like somewhat biblical or what eleven-year-old boy names forty-three of those? Clever one, possibly. Anyway, the Warrens warned the local police that the situation was becoming dangerous, and Debbie and Arn were also in the room while the exorcism was happening. At this time, Arn provoked the demon and cried, "Take me on, leave my little buddy alone." My little buddy, isn't it his son? No. Oh, it's his fiance's brother. You can't keep up with this family. I can't know. It's parents. It was the the odd name that really threw me off. Right. It's parents. Her daughter, the parents' daughter, who is engaged to Arn. Right. And Shields has a, has a little brother. Okay. I'm it's with just you. like he's living with the family. So how old is Arn? They're like older. It, why does it matter? I just wondered. Not eleven. An adult. <laughs> They're engaged. <laughs> Why can you never follow my stories? Am I bad at explaining? I feel like this is fine. I'm sorry, go. Keep going. A few days later, Arn was viciously attacked by the demon while he was driving his car because he's an adult. <laughs> Not 11. And this caused him to drive forcefully into a tree. Oh no. Fortunately, he was unharmed and he returned to the house to examine an old well that supposedly housed the demon to try to help his family. And this was obviously all against Lorraine and Ed's advice. They were like, don't go to the well. And he was like, I'm going to go to the well. Why are you crying laughing? <laughs> not 11. <laughs> Sorry. It's the amount of anger that you had behind your voice. Not 11. God, it's getting exhausting. We're 23 episodes in. <laughs> when will you follow my stories? <laughs> oh. Carry on. Sorry. Something to do with the well. Yeah, so he went to the well, and they were like, don't go to the well. He mm -hmm. went to the well. And Arn recollects this moment as the last time he was completely lucid, because when he was in the well, he encountered the demon, and he made eye contact with it. He got in the well. And at this point, he became possessed. Oh, goodness. So he doesn't remember anything after that for a while. David's condition got worse, and Debbie and Arn decided to rent their own apartment as Debbie got a new job as a dog groomer. In like a kennel. So Arn is possessed at this point? At this point, yes. Right. After moving into the new apartment, Arn started to demonstrate odd behaviour that was incredibly similar to David's. So Debbie started to fear that he'd also became possessed. Mm -hmm. She said he would fall into a trance-like state where he would growl and hallucinate, but he later had no memory of it. Right. So, cut a few months later to February 16th, 1981. Arn called in sick to work at his job, uh, which was the right tree service. It's like vegetation management, I think. Right. And he joined Debbie at the kennel where she worked, along with his sister Wanda and Debbie's nine-year-old cousin Mary. I'm lost. Yeah, I knew you were going to... As soon as I had one name. <laughs> I'm completely lost. There I was also Alan. a guy called Alan Bono, and he was their landlord, and he also owned the kennel. Okay. Which seems like a mad coincidence, but apparently the kennel and the apartment were quite close, so it's not... Oh, fair enough. He doesn't just own every property, like, Monopoly. No, in the entirety of Connecticut. <laughs> yeah, so they were all just hanging out, and Alan was like, 
I'm going to all get us lunch at the local bar. So he bought everyone lunch and then he started heavily drinking. Oh, goodness, Alan. And after lunch, the group returned to the kennel. And later on, Debbie took the girls to get pizza, which suggested that they return quickly because Alan was pretty drunk. When they got back, Alan became agitated. And at this point, Debbie asked everyone to leave the room. But Alan grabbed Mary and refused to let her go. Mary is the nine-year-old. Wait, who's Alan? The landlord. Right. I was just double-checking because it sounded like possessed behaviour and I was like, has his name been Alan instead of Arn this whole time? No, he's just drunk. Right. Arn ordered Alan to release Mary and he did. Mary ran for the car and Debbie attempted to calm everyone down by standing in between the two men. Wanda tried to pull her brother Arn away because he was growling like an animal. Then he drew a five-inch pocket knife and he stabbed Alan repeatedly. Oh my goodness, Arn! Alan suffered four or five tremendous wounds, mostly to his chest, and one stretched from his stomach to the base of his heart. Oh, Jesus. Arm was found two miles from the site of the murder and was held at the correctional centre. He pled not guilty, and he said that the devil made him commit the act. And a day afterwards, Lorraine told the police that he was possessed when the crime was committed, which obviously started this mad media blitz because everybody was like, the devil has just killed a man. Yeah, what do we do with this now? Also, the only murder in this town, and it's this. <sighs> oh my god, they were not prepared. Arn's lawyer started getting calls from all over the world about what was being called the demon murder trial, and he travelled to London to examine some similar cases. And he planned to fly in exorcism specialists from Europe and summon the priests who had overseen David exorcisms to court. And the trial took place in October 1981 but the judge kind of shot down all the evidence of possession because you couldn't actually get solid proof yeah. that he was possessed. Mm -hmm. And the jury deliberated for 15 hours before they convicted Arn to 10 to 20 years in prison, but he did only have to serve five. Which is a pretty decent way out, to be fair, considering he killed a guy. Oh my goodness. Lorraine wrote a book on this called The Devil in Connecticut. As I said at the beginning, it's kind of the plot of The Conjuring 3, so, you know, excited to see how that plays out, but... Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What do you think? Um, I don't really know, to be honest, because there's no real way to know if someone is possessed, do you know what I mean? Well, especially through a story. Yeah. I wasn't there, so how could I give a actual, proper answer? Yeah. Um... I don't know, it sounded like the little boy was because, like, realistically, what 11 year old is going to be able to come up with like 43 names of devils, like you said, and be able to act convincingly? Because, I mean, personally, I hate child actors because it's always too over the top. Do you know what I mean? In films. So, this young boy with what I imagine to be no acting experience, you know, because otherwise his family probably would have thought it was that, um, to be convincing. People like Ed and Lorraine Warren that he's possessed by 43 demons. Yeah, and obviously Ed and Lorraine Warren have had a fair amount of, you know, discussion as to whether they're legit or whatever. But yeah, to to fool them and the parents and... Yeah, just fool everyone. And it does seem a bit like, okay, that kid probably was. Whether the guy was, I don't know. Um... It's weird that he started acting like that, yeah, but, you know, if it 
is your landlord. There could have been some tension there, some anger there. If he grabbed um, the little girl, you know, maybe he was just acting in rage. Fair enough. He had no history of, of any sort of crime. It was completely random. Yeah. And his his fiance Debbie, she did say that he was acting like very much similar to how David was acting as they moved into the house. And he did crash his car. But I guess he could have just crashed his car. Yeah. The the car crash thing is there could have been any multitude of reason for that. You know, there could have been like a cat on the road and he avoided it. You know? I guess, yeah. Um Maybe he was possessed. I don't see why he couldn't have been if there was already a possession and he'd been around it. Well, um, he'd been he'd been telling the demon to come and get him and getting into the well and stuff. Yeah. And doing everything that everyone said don't do. Personally, I wouldn't have moved in with him after all of that, you know? Oh, no, me either. Right? Wedding is off. Yeah, tell me about it. Um, I don't know. Maybe it was a mental illness. Maybe maybe he was, you know, exhibiting the same kind of symptoms, kind of almost deluding himself into thinking he was possessed, possibly. Okay, let's do the scare scale. We'll get into Sultan's explanations. Okay. okay, scary. Out of five. I'll say three and a half. Three and a half? Yeah. Why? It's pretty scary because it affected an 11-year-old and then affected someone else from there. You know, it wasn't just because with possessions from the ones that we've covered and ones that I've heard of separately, it's kind of just one person is possessed and then they'll either get rid of it or the person will die. You know? Yeah. It's not like it's jumping from from person to person. Yeah. So I'd say this is a pretty scary possession and also someone died. So yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Three and a half. Danger out of five. I'd say like a four. Because of the murder? Yeah, someone literally died. Fair enough. Likelihood that it was a demon. Hmm. I'm going to go middle ground three. Fair enough. Because I don't really have an argument as to why it wasn't a demon. But equally, same as like in court, you don't really have any evidence that it is a demon, for sure. Yeah. Um. So, and I think I've heard of and researched possessions that seem more credible you know rather than just like growling and stuff and crashing a car all right that um, makes sense it's not like the one that i did Annalisa, where there was so much on that <laughs> but yeah that's a, a different episode but i think it's possible yeah okay alternative explanations so it's not a demon so um mental illness i would say because that can completely flip your personality and make you do things that you wouldn't think you'd ever do, really. It could have been something in the food or in the water. Do you know what I mean? Like a kind of almost hallucinogen type thing. Poison? Yeah, like the ergot poisoning, but not that necessarily. It's quite specific to just target him. But okay, poison. Well, I mean, you don't know because like, Maybe there was something that he and the boy ate that was similar, you know? I guess, yeah. Because they were living together. So, I mean, it's possible. Uh, hmm, what else? I was thinking just now, 
it could be that the boy was possessed and then on wanted to take it out on the landlord. Yeah, anyway, I was going to say and blamed it on Yeah, I was literally being about to say that. This yeah. is my alternative explanation. Okay, sorry. <laughs> so I'm going to say I think the boy was possessed and then Arn was like I've got some beef for my landlord. I'm possessed too. Blaming demon blaming. Yeah. Demon shame and blame. I don't I I can't think of anything else to be honest. There's it's an not, interesting one, for sure. Yeah, there's not that many things it could have been, um, especially since he only killed one person, you know? It's not like he went on a spree. Because if he went on a spree, I'd be like, oh, well, he's just, you know, a sociopath. Yeah, it's interesting that at that point, the devil, the demon or the devil or whatever was like, I'm going to kill this guy, not I'm going to hurt his fiance." Or his yeah, he was living with his fiance for a, a few months, I think. So it's not like, and he was just weird that time. You know, he was just growling and and staring off and stuff. Yeah. But then he decided to kill this guy. Also, he was he had he was carrying a pocket knife. Well, I mean, I personally don't know what like his home security was like or what Fair the streets were like. You, you know, know what I mean, though. It's like a. If yeah, you think there's of a it lot like of, that. It seems a little bit. Yeah, there's a lot of coincidences. That yeah, add exactly. Up, so, but yeah, I don't know. It's a good story. I like it. It is. I'm I excited to see good. what the Conjuring do with it. I think it'll be really good because it's a really strong source of material. Mm. And I haven't seen the second Conjuring, but I really enjoyed the first one. Yeah, it'll be cool. I'm excited. It'll be cool. It's out September this year, I think. <laughs> I was going to say the day, but I do not remember. <laughs> Tenth? I don't know. Fair enough. I mean, we don't know now because everything's postponed, but, you know. Well, yeah. Probably September. Huh. Well, we'll definitely watch that. You know what you should watch? Out for our social media, at Meds Magic Pod. Oh, wow. That mm. was incredibly Got smooth. Em. Yeah, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram if you have it. We post cool photos on there. I mean, we post all right photos. We post really, really <laughs> fantastic images on there. And it would mean a lot to us if you followed us. Yeah, we'll have all of our reference photos on there from the episode. We also have a Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Murder. Sorry, I can literally never remember it. It's even just the name. <laughs> I know. On there, we've got a bunch of different tiers, uh, ranging from not a lot of money a month to a little bit more money a month. But you should definitely go and have a look at our Patreon and you get things like extra episodes. Uh, we're reading through Carmilla, the book, um, on there. So you'll get updates on that, little extra letters and cards and love shout outs from like us. It's like subscribing to Spotify, except for us personally. And... You don't even have to spend as much money as you do on Spotify. True, yeah. And if you want to give us a one-off donation, you can do that on the website as well, which would greatly help us out. And if you don't want to do any of that because you hate us, then don't forget to send us in your terrifying tales, spooky stories, and haunted happenings. I've forgotten our entire Gmail. Oh my god, it's just the name. It's <laughs> magicandmurder at gmail.com if you want to email us. Or you can DM us because people do that as well. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. I'll In get... other news, I'm firing Kate because <laughs> she cannot remember anything and she can't follow a storyline. Listen, I can follow storylines, just not family trees. Welcome back to the Abbey Show. How did you survive when I did the Pendle Witches? I just tried my hardest. 
I just honestly tried my absolute hardest. Hit me with these Osyth witches. Well, I'm not going to do that. I'll give you... Oh, wow, yeah, we have that extra story. The extra story. So, my mum, if you don't know, has sent me in a couple stories before. Uh, One was on the Borley Rectory episode. Yeah, it's called The Most Haunted House in England, I think the episode is called. Yeah, and the other one is on the one where I did Black Shuck. So, go check them out if you haven't already. So this one... As a child, I frequently went to stay with an aunt in Norfolk countryside. I was usually there in the school summer holidays. This is an event that took place in one of them. Names have been changed. A good head. It sounds like the beginning of Law and Order, doesn't it? Your mum has had a lot of spooky things happen. She has, bless her. Maybe one day we can convince her to do an interview. Or maybe one day we can convince her to take over the podcast from us. She would do a better job. <laughs> she would. She can follow family trees and she would remember the name of our Gmail. Also, if you asked her a question, she would know the answer. True. Rather than just being like, mm, well, she it wasn't wouldn't. in my research. She would make it up. <laughs> but it would sound incredibly convincing. It was a hot day. Boiling hot. Auntie M was pregnant again. Happily so, as she loved children. But her pregnancy was near its end and the heat of the day was too much for her. Polly, she said, will you go to the shop and get the milk and bread this morning? I really can't. The shop in question was a tiny village store about half a mile away, down a narrow lane, with no footpath and a few houses. Apart from the hedgerows, there would be no possibility of any shade. I sighed. Auntie M was my favourite aunt, and I never complained whenever I landed on her for a few days, or even a few weeks, seeking respite from my overcrowded home though she would have been fully justified in not wanting yet another child to look after. Of course, I found myself saying. Thank you, darling. Auntie M beamed at me. Take a shopper in my purse. Treat yourself to a lolly or a drink. She settled her pregnant bulk into the chair and raised her feet onto a stool with a contented murmur. I knew she wouldn't be sitting long before one of the children or the baby wanted her attention. I put on my shoes and set out. These were the days before anyone would have mentioned a sun hat or sun cream. No mobile phone or bottle of water accompanied me. As I left the shelter of the house, I became aware of just how hot it was in the midday sun. I dawdled slowly along the lane, kicking stones and moaning silently to myself about being sent on the errand. There were a couple of farm cottages about halfway to the store. By the time I'd almost reached them, I was red in the face, sweating, thirsty, and truly regretting the impulse that had made me agree to go. As I approached the little houses, I could see a black figure, half hidden by the hedge. It seemed to be standing by a gate to one of the gardens. I was immediately apprehensive. My woes over the hot walk instantly forgotten. We were, as children, constantly warned not to talk to strangers. Many itinerant workers came from Norfolk to help with, to help with farm work and harvesting. Mothers were always worried about their children being in contact with them. I don't know that they had any particular threats to their children in mind, just the general wariness of country folk to strangers. So, with these warnings firmly in mind, and knowing that I had to pass this person to get to the store, I continued nervously forward. As I got closer to the figure, I realised that it was a woman that I knew. It was old Mrs Bradshaw. Now this was not as comforting as it might have been, as Mrs Bradshaw was a strange old woman. She lived all alone in the cottage, and was a bit eccentric. One day she would greet you like a long-lost friend, and another look right through you as if she'd never met you in her life, so I was wary whenever I met her. 
As I got closer, I could see that she seemed to be struggling with the latch of her gate. Do you need help? I queried. Mrs. Bradshaw turned towards me and gave me a half-smile, but did not speak. I noticed she was oddly dressed for the heat in a black woolen dress, an overcoat and hat, and thick aisle stockings, walking shoes and gloves. Shall I try for you? I asked. She shrugs, but moved back. I stepped forward and undid the gate. The latch was stiff. With her gloves on, she probably hadn't been able to grip it properly, I thought. There you are, I said, opening the gate and moving wide aside. The old lady walked through and onto her front path, then turned, waved, and smiled at me. I smiled and waved back at her, shut the gate, and latched it firmly in place. Batty old dear, I thought, and continued to the store. I bought the milk and bread and sat for a while in the shade by the duck pond to eat my ice lolly, much refreshed as I made my way back to Auntie M's. Thanks, Polly, just in time for lunch. Do you want a sandwich? Was it very hot on the walk? Auntie M chatted away, getting out the butter and cheese. Not too bad, I responded. I saw Mrs. Bradshaw on the way. She was all dressed up in a coat and hat and everything, in this heat. Auntie M put down the butter knife. You saw who? she asked. Mrs. Bradshaw. She was trying to get into her gate, but couldn't, so I opened it for her. She didn't speak, though. You know how strange she is. Auntie M sat down heavily on a kitchen chair. But you couldn't have, she said. Mrs. Bradshaw died after last Christmas. She was walking back down the lane to her house. She got off the bus, but they think she slipped over on the ice. She fell into a snowdrift and froze to death, yards from her home. No one knew she was there till it thawed. A chill ran down my spine. I had seen another ghost. Wow. I know, right? That was thrilling. That poor woman. I know. That's so horrible. Oh. Yeah, well, that was a true story. Obviously, slightly embellished for my mum, but at least a kind ghost. She was all right. She didn't do anything bad. Smiled. She, she didn't do anything. Just good. wanted to get in. Let me Shrugged. in. Let me in. That's so, yeah. a really interesting story. I like that. It is. My mum told me it when I was young. Not that I appreciate that, but <laughs> this is why you are. The now, one I, you are. now I don't trust old ladies. So, <laughs> on to the main event. All right. The St. Osyth Witches. Is it St. Osyth or just Osyth? Saint. Okay. That's what I said. I was just asking. <laughs> you called it different things because you've been telling me about this. Source. Sources. Witchtrials.co.uk, Wikipedia, SpookyIsles.com, MysteriousBritain.co.uk, DailyMail, TheGhostHunt.com, AncientOrigins.net, Essex County Gazette Standard, and MysteriousUniverse.org. Awesome. Let's get into it. I'm excited. Okay. So as most of you probably won't have heard about St. Osyth, I'll give you a bit of background. It's a village near Brightlingsea in Essex, which is obviously in England. Interestingly, it's always been based around creepy happenings. It used to be named Chich, but it was renamed after St. Osyth herself. She was a young woman that lived around the year, like, 700. Oh, wow, that's a long time ago. Yeah. And when she was very young, she drowned in a stream while trying to deliver a book. But she was revived when the local nuns prayed for her for three days straight. Wow. Mm -hmm. This is already off to a wild start. I know. (laughs) Then at the end of her life, she was executed by beheading. Oh God, Jesus, man. (laughs) Yeah. When she fell to the ground, a spring appeared, like a, a water. 
spring. Oh, I thought you meant like a like a couch spring. I was like, weird. No, right. you idiot. Did they have those in the year 700? <laughs> Shut oh. up. Uh, from here, her body got up again, picked up her head, and went to the local convent, and then knocked three times at the door before eventually falling dead. My God. So that's what St. Osyth is named after. Of course. Why would you not need that? <laughs> Even now, hundreds of years after her death, she's still spotted yearly on the 7th of October, carrying her head around the Priory and walking around. Why did they Why did they execute her? I don't know. I tried to find stuff on her, but there's not really that I much I guess written. she's a bit old. Yeah. So. Like <laughs> that she was like, I'm not having this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not dying here. I'm not done. I have something to do. <laughs> i got to knock on the door. Okay, so on to the witches of St. Osyth. In 1582, 14 women, women were put on trial, charged with witchcraft, and then a couple of them were killed. Spoiler. One of these women was Ursula Kemp, who was a midwife and a kind of folk healer. So she would use divination, folk medicine, and folk magic to help people with ailments and like remove their curses that have been put on them and that kind of thing. From here, it sounds pretty similar to the sort of family feud style of the Salem witches. So one story is that she healed Davy Thorlow through the use of incantations. But when Davy's mother, Grace, wouldn't let Ursula be the nursemaid for her daughter, Joan, she became enraged. Does that make sense? Sorry, I know I just gave you a bunch of names. I yes. would struggle. <laughs> oh, I know. I could tell you your own family and you would struggle. All right. Anyway. Then, when Joan fell from her cot and snapped her neck, oh my, jeez! Grace blamed <sighs> Ursula and said that she'd murdered her daughter through witchcraft. What I like about doing this podcast is that I start off slow, I set the scene more, and like I'll, I'll, you know, I'll leave all the death till the end. And you're always just like, in this year, everyone died. Here's how. <laughs> We just tell stories in different ways. I know, but it's exciting, and it? it's it's nice to to get a you know, all just out on the table. <laughs> so, okay, so Ursula healed Davy, and then Davy's mum wouldn't let her look after Joan. Now Joan's dead. That's where we're at. So she's blamed her. Yeah. Regardless of this, Grace still went back to Ursula because she had arthritic pain, and Ursula agreed to help her even though she'd said that she'd killed her daughter. You gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> Everyone needs money somehow. When it came to payment, however, Grace decided she didn't want to pay because the price was too steep. Um, so obviously, Ursula was pretty annoyed by this. And then from here, Grace's pain multiplied tenfold. Oh, like, like witchcraft? Yeah. Obviously, other villagers were hearing what was going on with this feud, which made them dislike Ursula. Because Grace was kind of uh, quite notorious in the town. So she had a lot of friends. So when Ursula came to Alice Leatherdale for scouring sand, which is like a cleaning product, she declined her as she knew her to be a, quote, naughty beast. So Ursula wasn't really liked by anyone anymore. Get out of here, you naughty beast. <laughs> so Alice had a daughter, Elizabeth who saw Ursula later on during the day when Ursula apparently whispered something at her. As I know it, Elizabeth then got sick and died. 
So people thought that the whispering was Ursula placing a curse on her for her mother's behaviour earlier when she was trying to buy something off her. Ursula sounds like a mad one. Am I right? Team Ursula, am I right? Although it wasn't until Ursula's eight-year-old son, Thomas Rebert, testified against her. Oh, wow. That a conviction was made. There was some serious anger there. Oh, yeah. Eight years old and you're testifying against your mum. What's that about? Anyway. Thomas said that his mother was a witch as she kept four familiars. A grey cat named Tiffin, a black cat named Jack, a white lamb (laughs) called Titty. (laughs) This is what you were laughing at earlier. Titty the lamb. (laughs) Titty the lamb. Titty. Oh God, I'm a child. And a black toad named Piggin. Maybe she just likes pets. Imagine going to the house. Imagine them all like lined up. Like two cats, is- a lamb, and a frog. Yeah. Sounds like a great gang. I'd write a children's book on it. <laughs> Maybe that's what she was trying to do. Maybe. He was like, I hate the book. Mum's a witch. <laughs> I hate this lamb. It keeps eating everything. God, I'm sick of this Get lamb. Titty. <laughs> According to Thomas, all of the animals were often fed beer and cake and were given Ursula's blood. They sound incredibly lucky. <laughs> In the subsequent God, tr- I wish that were me. I hate you so much. In the subsequent trial, it was found that the lamb had killed Joan. <laughs> what? <laughs> and the black cat had killed her sister-in-law. <laughs> Sorry, she's losing it. It's right. Okay, this is sad. People, people died. But the idea of Tiddy the lamb killing someone <laughs> is sending me over the edge. <laughs> so that's what was found in trial How? with his little hooves or with magic well because it was magic they were like spirits or familiars or you know that kind of thing they, it wasn't just a, a hopeless little lamb a sheep. trying to <laughs> struggle to walk but in doing so it accidentally kicks a kid out of the car <laughs> oh man okay magic sheep yeah that makes magic sheep get on board ab I, I I knew that it was because I was imagining like a, a regular old regular old sheep. <laughs> um, so the other two, obviously the um the grey cat and the toad, obviously weren't up to killing standard because they were only used to make people ill. Fair. Ursula, they were like not as liked as much, you know. <laughs> well, I've written it later. Um, so the two boys were the killers and that was the the cat and the the lamb and the two girls would just make people sick and kill cattle oh right okay yeah ursula didn't work alone though as her friend alice newman was also in on all of it thomas so the son in case you forgot said that newman visited his mum and took a pot containing these familiars then a couple of days later she came back and she said that she'd sent spirits off to kill a man and his wife in the village So since Ursula's own son had testified against her, this was taken as pretty solid evidence, obviously, that Ursula was guilty of being a witch. Apparently, Ursula did confess to Brian Darcy, who was the guy in charge of the trial. But she only did it in secret, for some reason. Oh. Sounds pretty sketchy, Brian. In this supposed confession, she said that she had succumbed to an ailment ten years prior, 
So she'd gone to a medicine woman, so it's the same as what she is, who said that she'd been bewitched. In order to unwitch herself, she needed to use a ritual that required hog poo, charnel, sage, and St. John's wort. She recovered, and then people started asking her, asking Ursula, like, oh, how did you recover? I'm sick too, help me out. So then she was helping them, they recovered, and then she got this kind of name for herself. Um, and then she started doing that. I guess that's how she made her money. Fair enough. Gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. So while she was confessing all of this, she said that the animals she kept were familiars, male ones were killers, female ones were sickness. So, Since Ursula was pretty much forced into confessing anyway, she also outed other witches. These were Alice Hunt, Alice Newman, Elizabeth Bennett, Marjorie Salmon, Joan Petchy, Agnes Glasscock, Cicely Sells, Joan Turner, Elizabeth Eustace, Annis Hurd, Alice Manfield, Margaret Greville, and Anne Swallow. All of these women were kept in a jail, now known as the Witch's Cage, for obvious reasons. Um, this wasn't just... So the jail was kind of in two parts. I'll talk about the jail more later, but... It was kind of in two parts where, like, petty criminals were kept at one end, and then, like, serious murderers and witches were kept at the other. So. Okay, that makes that makes sense. Yeah. Only Ursula and Elizabeth Bennett were found guilty. Elizabeth was said to have murdered four people with the help of her two familiars. Both of them were hanged in Chelmsford in 1582. So Chelmsford is also in Essex, I forgot to write that. Out of the others, four four were acquitted, four were found guilty but reprieved, two were discharged but kept in prison for other crimes, and two were not indicted. So, the jail that they were kept in is still around today, but it's not for the faint-hearted. In the late 1800s, a man bought it for £150 and sold it just two weeks later for £50. Wow. Because he was trying so desperately to get out of it. Damn. Another man purchased the property later on, I don't know when, um, but then he suddenly turned recluse and eventually hung himself in the master bedroom. Jesus. Some some bad energy in there, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, there would be, wouldn't they? Yeah. Vanessa Mitchell moved out of the cage in 2012, saying that she'd experienced 12 horrific encounters with ghosts. She said she was hit out from behind, her hair was pulled, visitors were shoved down the stairs, there were mysterious blood splatters around the house, and a CCTV camera picked up the image of a satanic goat roaming the premises. But one thing that made, I mean, the final straw on the camel's back was that when she walked into her baby boy Jesse's room, she found a shadowy figure looming over his cot. That's horrific. That's some real horror movie stuff right there. Mm-hmm. So she left. Understandably. Visitors have complained of hearing footsteps and whispers from behind them. Lights flickering and pinches and bites. In 2018, a ghost hunting team went into the cage. Now, this is me. I'm normally pretty sceptical of everything. Especially ghost hunters, because most of them don't know what they're doing. But in this hunt, they were talking to the ghosts, asking if anyone was there, that kind of thing, as they normally do. And when this was happening, one of the volunteers, Debbie, possibly channeled one of the ghosts because her face changed. I don't know how else to put it, 
But she normally has like a fairly short and like rounded nose. And there's like photos and a recording of it. And her nose turns into like, you know, like what you imagine a witch's nose to look like. Standard Halloween witch nose. Yeah, like longer and hooked. and Yeah. So Ooh. her nose changed to that. Her eyes start like glinting in the camera. And she pulls this smile, and it's actually the creepiest smile I've ever seen in my entire life. It's like if you ever saw Momo's smile, but worse. Photos will be on our social media. Yeah, well, yeah. It was, I don't know. I saw it and I was like, yeah, this can't be real. And then I was like, oh, no, I don't like that even a bit. That's horrific. I can't imagine how scary that would be if it was you as well. Yeah. I'm not a fan. But it's not just the house that's haunted. There's also Coffin Alley, which runs just behind the house. I don't know if alley is a universal word, actually. It's like a narrow passageway between two houses. Alleyway? Is that not... Well, I don't know, because I feel like Americans don't really have alleyways. Do they not? I feel like they do. I've never been to America. I don't know why I'm saying All of the houses are so spread apart. Americans, do you have alleyways? Yeah, please do let you us know. You call them a guinea? No, they don't. I I used to do that. That's weird. Anyway, yeah, it's just a narrow passageway between buildings. Anyway, it's called Coffin Alley because it was where the dead bodies from the cage were transported to get to the graveyard. So they would be carrying a coffin down the alley. Right, I figured around the sort of... Yeah. Around that. The alleyway has also had a lot of paranormal sightings and it was also the sky site of a skeleton excavation in 1921 which people believe to be Ursula herself because there were right so I was like how would they even know if it was Ursula I'm sure a lot of people died around that time you know would seem a bit coincidental exactly yeah that the the biggest name they've got is laying right under that road um but there were iron rivets in the elbows and knees which is what was done to dead witches because it supposedly stopped them from rising back out of the grave. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, there was a lot of debate as to whether it was her or not. It could have been any number of... She wasn't the only witch to die in Essex. So, but it was quite interesting, I thought. It's a definite possibility. Yeah. And if you are interested in the house, then it keeps being put on and taken down from Right Move to buy. You want to go buy it? Let us visit if you buy it. We should go check it out, check out that alleyway. Yeah. But yeah, the um it's really interesting actually to look at the right move listing because it's taken down at the minute. I checked earlier, but maybe someone bought it. I hope so. But the description and the photos are just brilliant. They've like staged it so that it's kind of creepy looking and like in it they've got the whole history of St. Osyth and it's just it's really good. I guess you would have to though, because it's it's better to just Put that up front and, you know, tell everyone who wants to buy it. You're buying a really cool history haunted witch house because you might yeah. get people who want to buy that rather than being like, this house is perfectly normal. And then you buy it and you realize that it's not. Yeah, exactly. Especially if you look up the house and then you're going to find all of the history. Plus it's got a plaque on it that says this is the witch's cage where Ursula was and died. How cool would it be to live there? I mean, you know, aside from the hauntings. I don't think I'd live there. <laughs> Maybe I'll just buy a plaque and put it on the house. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> when we when we finally move out, I'm gonna make a plaque. This is where Kate and Abby live. Probably a bit spookier than that. This is where Kate and Abby died. 
wait, <laughs> where Kate and Abby live, but with a like a ghost on it. Hell yeah, it's faded to look real old. Anyway, that was my story. I liked it. What did you think? I thought it was very interesting. Hmm. That it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. You know, we've told a lot of witch stories. It's sad that people died. It's interesting that she had animals helping her, because I think that's the only one we've talked about that has familiars, rather yeah. than just them doing it or them cursing someone. Or Definitely, you know. yeah. Well, I just I quite liked it, because it's quite local to us. It's about an hour drive. Yeah. Um, And it's quite big. So my ex-manager... She had a friend that went there, and they've been, like, plagued ever since. Wow, I was going to say we should go, maybe we shouldn't. Yeah, he went in and, like, visited, and he's been absolutely plagued ever since. In what way? He's had, like, bad things happen to him. Like, he's been really accident-prone, which is, you know, whatever. But he's also had, like, a number of deaths in the family, and, like, he lost his job. He lost his house for a bit. He's, like... He says that he can hear things. Oh, wow. He's not, yeah. Like, he's, he's. I'm sure if he was hearing things to that extent, he would have gone and got, like, help. Yeah. But, yeah, he says, like, he can hear, like, footsteps or something sometimes. So. That's weird. I don't like it. So I don't think I'm going to go, to be honest. Fair enough. But we'll just look at it online. Yeah. Google Maps. Admire from a distance. Yeah. So how scary do you think that was? I'm going to give it a three and a half. Why? Because it was a long time ago, and, you know, I don't know how... I'm sure that kind of witchcraft is scary, especially if you are you believe in witches at that time when you're not a witch, but we don't have that now. And also, I don't know how scary it would be to have a, a lamb, you know, come get you. Well, I don't know if... See... The lamb's one. I wish I hadn't included that detail, but I don't think the lamb like went up to the kid. You know, I think it was like you know in movies where there's like um, a character outside a house, and you know that something mystical's going on. You but like imagine a lamb outside the house. It's not exactly like fear. It's a bit cute now, isn't it? Yeah, really. I love farm animals so much. So what about evil farm animals? Oh, that's different. <laughs> <laughs> How That's dangerous do you think the lamb in particular is? <laughs> <laughs> Ten. No, the. But also, it's scary because of the things that happened in terms of like you know whether it be her cursing people or killing people, or whether people blame that on her and then killed her for it. You know mm. what I mean? Either way, it's it's bad. Her taking putting her head back on it's a bit creepy, and. Well, that wasn't her. Oh, you know, people putting their head back on as part of the whole story. <laughs> and also the hauntings of the house currently, like the, the face thing. Yeah. It's also pretty scary. How dangerous. How dangerous. Things like this, I never know what to say for the danger scale because which part am I rating? You know, it's, it's so much has happened. Well, I would say rate the witch's cage now in terms of danger because the rest of it was so long ago. Yeah, it's hard to rate things like that. Probably like a probably like a four. Understandable. I've not been, so I can't say it's a five, but from everything that I've heard and people moving out all the time, yeah, four for sure. I cannot wait to show you that little that little video. 
of that woman and her face. It actually spooked me out a bit. I'm not going to lie. Likelihood. The likelihood of witches. Of this, witches this like that? This and witches, yeah. Three. Three. Yeah, I'm going to go very in the middle because I'm not sure. It's kind of like what you said, you know, I... It could be like other stories where witchcraft was kind of made up to... You know, yeah, like settle arguments. Yeah, yeah, and things like that. But also, it's interesting that they only killed two of them, was it? Yeah, two out of 14, I believe. Because the other witch trials that we've covered, it's a lot more sort of, we're going to kill off anyone who we don't like. Yeah. And like everyone dies, which is, you know, sad, but... It's obvious that they really want to get rid of everyone, whereas with this... Well, to be fair, though... Also, she might have confessed, but, you know, we don't really know that. Ursula was the only one that was actually sort of put up for trial. Then it was her that ratted out the rest of them. Yeah, fair. So I guess if if she was the only one that people had qualms with, they would have just only really cared about her dying. Yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna do a good middle ground. Fair I enough. Think. Fair. Any alternatives? <sighs> alternatives to there being witches. It's kind of similar to what we've said for other witch trials. You know, um, people didn't like her, or or you can do alternatives for like the witches haunting the house now as well. I don't really have any alternatives for that. If the house is haunted, then it's haunted, and that's just how it is. Close <laughs> Fair door. enough. Fair. I mean, they don't have to have been witches to haunt the house. You know? True, but it's kind of coincidence, isn't it? Oh, yeah. You know, what's, what's, what are the chances that there's a witch's cage, and then other ghosts are there? Well, because it was a prison in two halves, like I said. True, yeah, I guess it could just be the ghosts of other people. There were lots of people there. Plus, I mean, if they weren't witches, if it was just a feud thing, they may have been like treated so badly there because there's nothing to say what went on in that that jail. Yeah. You know, they were probably not treated very well. I can't imagine they would be. So regardless of whether they were witches or not, it could just be people. Angry people. Exactly, that want to stick around and cause havoc. Fair enough, don't blame them. So, angry non-witch ghosts. Yep, right that. Fabulous. Anything else? No. It seems like a pretty open and shut case, to be honest. Yeah. I was I was reading it and I was like, well, it's just witches, isn't it? Yeah, that's kind of how I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. I'm the frog that makes people sick. I'm ending it here now. <laughs> We're not talking about this frog or this lamb anymore. How about we keep talking about them? How about... Watch if you're a possessed farm animal. Let me know in the comments. <laughs> it's got to be a lamb. <laughs> Don't listen before bed. <laughs> listen before bed. <laughs>